Great to be here. Thank you so much, Adrian. And um, I don't want to teach this morning. I, I just want to preach. Is that okay? Because normally I go kind of verse by verse, but I had something on my heart when Adrian shared with me that we're going to speak about Hebrews 12. And um, I thought it's very appropriate, especially now that the World Cup is on, and we kind of glued to the, the TVs and because the amazing thing is, if you read the New Testament, there are so many metaphors used from sports. Uh, you will see that it speaks about running a race, about wrestling, even about boxing. So I'll quote from uh, some of those scriptures today. But here in Hebrews 12, the author uh, applies the analogy of an athletic race to describe the well-ordered life of a Christian. So we're going to speak about considering Jesus with endurance because that's a key quality that we need. So in Hebrews 12, let's just read um, a short passage, the first three verses there. It says, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, that's the important part, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So I'm going to show you uh, that this it's a spiritual race which has been prepared beforehand. And um, obviously God did the preparation, but I'm going to focus on our participation in this race. And uh, I, this should actually have been a triathlon because I need three events to say everything that I want to say. So, uh, but let me give you uh, just a, a, a couple of principles that I believe that we should recognize about the spiritual race. And here's the first thing, and some people don't do this. We need to recognize the race. We need to realize that we are in a race. Because here's uh, what the author says in verse 1. He says, let us run with endurance the race. This is the race of life. You know, so many people uh, prepare themselves for so many things, for their careers, for sports events, etc., etc., but we need to realize this is the race. Your whole life is a race. It's not a rehearsal. This is the event. You're, you're in it now. And uh, we, we're talking about the race of life, and I'm not talking about the red race. And, and, and you know, if you're in the red race, even if you win, you're still a red I'm not talking about competing against other people. Um, le let me explain it by telling you a fable of, uh, of a dog. These dogs were having a conversation about who's the fastest dog around, and this one dog was boasting that he was the fastest. And, and uh, so his mates said, well, you need to prove it. He said, how? And just at that moment, there was a little rabbit that started running, and... Uh, so they said, here's your opportunity to prove if you can catch that rabbit, then you will definitely be the fastest dog around. So he went after the rabbit, and the rabbit was too quick for him, and he came back with his uh, tail between his legs to his friends, and they said, so, 
So he said, but you need to realize this. I was running for fun. That rabbit was running for his life. That's quite a difference. And let me say this. We're not running for fun. We're running for our lives. This is, this is what it's about. It's a spiritual race. And because it's a spiritual race, it also um, is a race for eternal life, not just life here on earth. And here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.25. He speaks about um, that laurel wreath that victorious athletes used to receive. He says, everyone competes for the prize. And he says, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. And the important quality that we need in this race, as we said, is endurance, because this is not a 100-meter dash. This is a marathon. And we need to be fit for a, a long-distance race. They recently, you know, they recently ran the, the comrades, and, and I don't know if you know about this, last year I pulled a hamstring during the comrades marathon, about an hour into the race, I jumped off the couch to get a coat from, coat from the fridge. <laughs> but we need endurance in this race. Perseverance. Somebody said, I think it was Spurgeon that said it was perseverance that helped the two tortoises reach Noah's Ark. <laughs> and we need perseverance. We need endurance. And I, I really pray that the Holy Spirit will make us aware of the importance of this race. Here's the second important truth that we need to realize. We need to realize that all of us are in the race. Not just the professionals. You see, sometimes in some sports, you have professionals and you have amateurs and then you have spectators. We've actually become a generation of spectators. Millions around the world are currently watching the football, the soccer World Cup. And there are these guys on the field, and they are the participators. But it's so different with, with this race. Look at verse 1. Uh, here's what the author said. He said, therefore, we also, because in verse uh, or chapter 11, he focuses on the Old Testament saints who have completed the race. He says, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run this race with endurance set before us. You are a participator. You're not just a spectator. The only time that you become a spectator in this spiritual race is when you've gone to heaven. That's where the pavilions are right now. That's where the crowd is, is, is watching. And so the heavenly bleachers are full with uh, uh, saints cheering us on, inspiring us to to give our, our, our best performance. And as I said, he focuses here on the Old Testament champions who finished their leg uh, of the race. And, and you can start from the, the book of Genesis and, and, and study how those people had endurance to finish the race. And in fact, if you read Genesis, you'll find out that Adam was first in the human race. Some of you will get it this evening. But... But there are so many beautiful stories of heroes of the Old Testament who endured because they drew from God's ability. So here's what he says. He says, we are also running this race. And Jesus set the example for us. He completed his race. 
And I want to encourage you today. This is a race for everyone, young and old. I found out that the oldest individual to win a medal in the Olympics was 72 years old. Oscar Swan from Sweden. Now, he didn't have to do much running because he was involved in shooting. Maybe some of the guys had to run when he started shooting. <laughs> but let me encourage you, doesn't matter how old you are, you are still part of this race. I had an interesting story. Uh, somebody told me, he says, my mother-in-law started walking two kilometers a day when she was 80 years old. He says, today, five years later, we have no idea where she is. <laughs> but it's so amazing that we can be part of, of this race. And, and, and here's the beautiful thing. Go and read Hebrews 11, by the way. Read about those heroes of faith. They were not perfect. And God is not looking for perfect people. God is looking for people that will draw from His ability. That's where our endurance come from, uh, comes from, by looking unto Jesus. And here's what Jesus taught. Well done. Yesterday, I had the privilege of doing a memorial service of, of one of my closest friends. And, and he had three months of, of real suffering before he went to be with the Lord. And here's how I ended the, the the message yesterday, I said that he was in the oven for three months. He really was. God was in the kitchen. And when God was finished cooking, he pulled him out of the oven and said, well done. <laughs> and that's what we will need we need that endurance for God to say at the end, well done, good and faithful sinner, servant. Because despite our mistakes, God still gives us the endurance to complete this race. Here's the third principle, and I'm not contradicting what Adrian said. We need to run according to the rules. Let me say this. There are some rules but that's not what the race is about. You see, if you compete and you only focus on the rules, you'll never enjoy the game. It's about enjoying the game. The moment you start focusing only on the rules, you've already lost. And, and here's what the, the Bible says. Listen what it says in, in Hebrews 12.1. He says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The race has already been marked out before us. God already planned everything. He designed everything. When you run in athletics and you arrive at a stadium, uh, the lanes are already marked out. You don't go and paint your own lane. You don't arrive there with a, with a can of paint and a, and a brush because I can guarantee you the lines will be crooked. But God already mapped out your journey for this life. He set it out before you, and you need to stay, let me put it this way, remain in your lane. That's the, the beauty of it. Now here, 
uh, I, I want you to, to listen to this scripture in Ephesians 2 and verse 10 in the Amplified. Uh, Paul speaks about the paths that God already prepared for us in Christ in advance. He says, we are God's handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. So you have a lane, you have an assignment, you have a journey in, in this life, you have a ministry, and remain in your lane. That's the important thing. And if you grasp the truth of this scripture in Ephesians 2.10, it is the most liberating thing because it speaks about the fact that, that we need to do works, but it's not that I have to think up the works. They have already been prepared. And all I need to do is walk in them. And walk in them using God's ability that He's already placed inside of me. I need to draw from His supernatural ability. So the fact that the race is set before us means that there are predetermined rules. But let me, let me emphasize this. It's a race of grace. So why then are there rules? Grace does not cancel God's commands. Grace empowers us to keep them. Hallelujah. It provides forgiveness should we break them. And here's what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 5. He says, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. And, and, and here's the important thing. Don't be bound by religious rules. The Bible is called the perfect law of liberty. The law of liberty, it seems like a contradiction. But you see, there's liberty when you compete in God's way. Because He will help you to do it with that freedom in, in, in your heart. Now, um, I, I remember when I was small, or smaller, um, <laughs> or younger, <laughs> We used to play cricket and uh, after school. And you know, the guy who owned the bat and the ball, he made the rules. You would bowl at him. You could, I mean, he would be out, caught, hit the stumps, everything. And when you say you're out, he says, I'm taking my bat and my ball. Okay, you're not out. <laughs> And here's what we need, need to realize. On this earth, it's not just God's bat and God's ball, but it's His playground. It's His field. And we better compete according to His rules. I cannot make up my own rules. We know how important it is to never argue with a referee. And there's a beautiful scripture, uh, which, which I'm just thinking of, of right now, where it speaks about, let the peace of God... Be the umpire in your heart. Wow. That means I must just 
allow God's peace to, to rule in, in my life. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul says, run in such a way to get the prize. In verse 27, he says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And you know when you're on, on the, the football field or the rugby field, you don't argue with the referee because there are spoken warnings and then he has some colorful language that he can demonstrate. And if you don't like that color, he has another one. And so it's important to, to realize, and that's why, why we need to run with endurance and live according to God's Word, drawing from His ability. Let me get to the, the next principle that is important. We need to run with confidence. That's so, so vital for us. Listen what, um, what it says about Jesus here in Hebrews 12 and verse 2. I want to read from the message. It says, keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. Jesus knew where the finish line was. And here's the most important thing for you. You need to find out what your assignment is on earth. You need to find out what your event is. You need to know where the finish line is. Because you need to complete your assignment on earth. As Jesus did at the end of his life, he said, the work you gave me, I have finished. And here's what Paul said in Philippians 3.14. He says, I press on toward the goal. He knew where the goal was, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul, like an athlete, had his eyes set on the race before him. He knew his calling. He knew his assignment. He kept his eyes on, on Jesus. And, and, and I like this scripture in 1 Corinthians 9, 26, from two translations. Paul says this, I run thus, not with uncertainty. In the Living Bible, he says, I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. If you don't know where you're going, you cannot run with confidence. Now, let me share with you my experience with cross-country running. And I don't know why some of you are laughing. <laughs> Let me give you some advice first about cross-country running. If you want to take up cross-country running, start with a small country like Monaco or the Vatican. <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I remember in primary school, I didn't do great with athletics because you need legs, long ones. And I looked at some of the events and immediately ruled out long jump and high jump. <laughs> and I even crossed running off my list because, you know, for me, for the other guys, when they took one step, I had to take three. <laughs> and uh, surprisingly, I was very good at hurdles until they told me you're not supposed to run underneath them. <laughs> But, uh, but I was quite surprised when my teacher came and told me, you made it for the cross-country 
team. So we were going to, to participate in a race, and, and it was a kind of a warm-up uh, act for a big event. So the school bus took us to, to a felt, some wooded area where we were going to run our race. And the race started, and almost immediately I was last of the runners. It was quite embarrassing. And what made it worse, the guy in front of me, second to last, was making fun of me. <laughs> And he said to me, buddy, how does it feel to be last? So I said to him, you want to know what it is like? And I dropped out. <laughs> so, but it was only some years later that I realized why I, we were in the cross-country team. Because after our race, they loaded us on a bucky and dropped us <laughs> at several points along the race. Because, you know, when you, when you run at a stadium, as I said, the, the lanes are marked out. But here, there was no marked out path. So we were supposed to be the markers. And I was dropped very close to the finish line, and uh, I was given instruction and the guy said to me, when you see the guys coming through the bushes there, you need to tell them to turn this way because otherwise they'll keep on running and they'll never get to the finish line. So he says, just tell them to go that way. It took a long time because, as I said, I was close to the finish line. I started practicing how I'll do it in a nice way. And And I got so bored eventually that, um, that I, I forgot what I was supposed to do. And I was so excited when I heard the rustling in the leaves and the bushes because here the first guy came. And I got so excited, I said to him, go, go, go. And he said to me, where, where, where? And I realized that I actually broke his speed. And he was quite upset with me because he couldn't run with confidence. And there's a spiritual lesson in this, that we need to know where we're going. We need to look for the markers in God's Word. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, because He will show us the way, exactly where we need to go. And so that we could run with, with confidence uh, and, and, and with that endurance, keeping our eyes on, on Jesus Christ. Here's the next principle. We need to know the tactics of our opponent. And a good place to start is to know who our adversary is. And here's the difference when it comes to the race of life. It's not a competitive event in the sense that we are competing against other people. And that is why, here, here's something beautiful about this race. There is not just one winner. Everyone that completes this race is a winner. It's like the Ironman competition. I don't know if you know about the Ironman, but there's actually a red carpet in the last few meters there, and, and everyone cheers everyone that finishes on because they all win it. And, and this is what we need to, to realize. In the earthly race, there's sometimes just one winner, but in the spiritual race, every faithful runner is, is a winner. And that's what Paul says. 
he says, I finished the race. He says, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And listen what he says. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And then he says this, and here's what we need to realize. Our opponents are not flesh and blood. He says in Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's your opponent, not other people, not other churches. We're competing against the spiritual enemy. And, and Paul knew this adversary. And you know, today, if you, if you look at it, um, sports teams have many technical advisors. They analyze the videos. They, they uh, study the tactics and the weaknesses of, of their opponents. And here's what, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 26. He says, thus I fight. Here he uses the the metaphor of boxing, not as one who beats the air. The living Bible says, I'm not just shadow boxing. Paul hit the target every time because he knew who his opponent was. And he, had, he knew the tactics of his opponent. I remember years ago, I was uh, ministering in, in, in Sicily and Italy when the infamous fight happened between Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. Anybody can remember that? And I mean, a fight that ended in Mike Tyson biting a piece of, <laughs> of ear of his opponent. And I was so disgusted because I was so looking forward to a decent, clean fight. And I, I, I thought about this. I said, did the guy not have a, a, a game plan? And afterwards, I realized he had a game plan. And this was his plan. If you cannot beat them, eat them. But it's so important for us in the spiritual race to have a game plan. And here's the beautiful thing. The Bible says we are not unfamiliar with the tactics, with the wiles, with the schemes of the devil. He cannot outsmart us. And here's another thing. We need to realize that this race is an obstacle race. And who puts the obstacles in our way? Satan does. Because he doesn't want us. And let me say this, he doesn't fight clean. He has all these tactics, but uh, we can overcome all these things. I like what the author says here in Hebrews 12.1. He says, lay, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we need to be ready for this race, for every obstacle. And that is why uh, the author says, get rid of everything, excessive clothing that might be impediment. And, and, and here's, here's what it says, if you read that scripture carefully. He says, let us lay aside the sin and the weight. He makes a distinction there. There are certain things in your life that nobody can point a finger at you and say, that's sin, you should get rid of it. You might say, it's legitimate, I can do it. But guess what? It will weigh you down. You need to become sensitive to what you need to lay down so that you could run this race at the optimum speed. God wants you 
to run this race without any impediment. I don't know if you've watched the London Marathon. It's one of the most interesting things for me because it's the first race where they started to wear uh, kind of fancy dress things because people run for a, 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 a charitable cause. And, and uh, there's a picture that I found of this, this guy who was running with a deep-sea diving suit. That suit weighed 50 kilograms. He finished, obviously not first. In fact, this was the slowest time ever recorded. You can see the time is up there. And some people don't even have a cause that they run for, but they have the heavy equipment. And that's why the Bible says, get rid of these things that will weigh you down, that will slow you down. When you compete in the, in the Comrades Marathon, you don't run in a three-piece suit. You have the right gear. You have a vest and you have shorts because when you hit poly shorts, you <laughs> must know that I cannot carry any weight with me unnecessarily. So God wants you to be free in the way that you run with endurance. Let me get to the next principle, number six. We need to understand that this is a team event. Oh, go and study Hebrews 12. From verse 1, he, he uses the plural uh, when he speaks about us and we. Go and check it out how many times he speaks about us and we because we're in a team. You're not running as an individual. Um, go in and, and study this, and you'll see that if you want to participate in the Olympics, you must run under a flag of a nation. In the last couple of years, they've made um, exceptions. In, in 2016, I think there were about 10 athletes who ran under the Olympic flag because they were refugees. But you need to compete under the flag of a nation. And I'll never forget, I was in, in Brazil at the time when South Africa, for the first time, competed in the Olympics again after years of, of boycotts. And we didn't even have a flag by that time. And, and, uh, but what I can remember very distinctly is that all the athletes were dressed in these Madiba shirts. And it made me so proud that I could see our nation competing again. And you see, what we need to realize is that we are running under the Christian flag. The Lord is our banner. And we need to realize that this is a, a, a team event. Be proud of your colors. Don't be afraid to display them. Live as a Christian. Let people know. We have different teams. We have the Springboks. We have the Proteas. We have Bafana, Bafana. We have Banyana, Banyana. And we have all of these different guys. But we are part of Hosanna, Hosanna. Except if you're a backslider, you're part of banana, banana. <laughs> but it's so important to have a team and to realize that we need to encourage and support one another. I was watching a, a, a video. In fact, I, I heard the story uh, in Norway. One of the speakers told the story about the Special Olympics. It's not the same as the Paralympics. The Special Olympics actually takes place every day around the world. There's some event somewhere because it's for athletes with, uh, with kind of intellectual impediments. 
And the story that he told was about uh, athletes with Down syndrome, and they ran a middle distance race. And so what happened is halfway through the race, the guy who was in front stumbled and fell. And a normal race, people will run over him, trample on him, run around him. But in this race, it was so different. When he fell, everybody stopped. And, and they, they helped, they picked him up, they brushed him off. And someone in the group must have said, are you okay? Everybody ready? Let's start again. One, two, three. And he told the story. And afterwards, I came, came to him and I said to him, you know, I just realized when I sat there and listened to the story, those guys didn't have Down syndrome. They had Up syndrome. <laughs> and that's what we need as Christians. How often when somebody makes a mistake, Christians trample on him instead of picking him up. We need to encourage one another. We all make mistakes. And this is a team event. We want everybody to complete and to run with, with endurance. I like what it says in, in Hebrews 12, 1, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, people who have finished the race. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And for me, at this stage of my life, I'm like an athlete with a baton handing it over to someone else, running with them. And some people, I've seen some ministers, they don't want to hand anything over, and, and I wish they could have a dynamite stick in their hand instead of a baton. They'll quickly hand that over. That's how we need to, to run this race. We need to leave a legacy for the next generation. Let me get to the last point, and this is it. We need to keep our eyes on our coach. And Jesus is the ultimate champion, the all-time undefeated, undisputed champion of the world. And he's our coach. He's our captain. And we need to keep our eyes on him. On him. Hebrews 12, to looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I don't know if you, if, if you know this. I've always wondered about why do they call a particular race a steeplechase? It's a race with obstacles. I'm sure you've seen it. And, and the word originated from when the race was run in, in the countryside, in small villages, that the steeple of the church would be the finish line. And so wherever you ran around the country, because again, it was not a race where things were mapped out clearly, you had to keep your eyes on the steeple. Such a beautiful message in that. Because for us, as believers, we need to keep our eyes on the head of the church. And even when we kind of get lost, keep your eyes on Jesus. Focus on Him. In Philippians 1.6, it says, There's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you will keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish. Jesus said. Keep your eyes on him. If you want to run this race with endurance, draw from God's ability. I like um, 
Isaiah 14, verse 31, it says, Those who trust in the Lord for help will find their strength renewed. They will rise on wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not grow weak. I heard a story about an athlete who ran the marathon, and he, and he struggled. He almost quit at several points in the race, and he could see the stadium, and his legs just gave in. And he prayed, and he said, God, at this stage, I, I just cannot do it. He says, if you would just pick up my legs, I'll put them down myself. <laughs> and sometimes we feel like that. And let me, let me encourage you this morning. The very endurance that we need for this race comes from God. We need to draw from His ability. We need to say, if you can pick up our legs, I'll, we'll put them down ourselves. Beautiful story, and I wish I had more time to spend on this. Uh, a, a man by the name of John Aquari represented Tanzania in the, in the 1968 Olympics marathon in, in Mexico, and he fell early in the race, seriously injuring his knee, got up and walked and uh, wanted to give up at, at several occasions, kept on going, and he arrived at the stadium when many of the fans already left, and he limped to last place, and, and he was asked at the end of the race, why did you not give up? Why did you not retire when you were so seriously injured? And he said th these words, my country didn't send me 14,000 kilometers to start the race. They sent me to finish the race. And I want to say this, you were not born into this world just to start this race. God wants you to finish and to finish strong. Run with endurance the race that is set before you. I, I spoke about the Ironman competition where uh, it's so beautiful that uh, each athlete, when he approaches the, the finish line, he's announced as a winner by name, not by number, by the way, by name. And then everybody else who finished the race would sit there and applaud him. I want to conclude with this true story. There was a missionary named Henry Morrison him and his wife were missionaries from America here in, in, in Africa. And after 40 years, they were returning home on a ship to the USA to retire. And on that same ship was President Teddy Roosevelt, but he came back from one of his big game hunting trips. And as the ship entered New York Harbor, President was welcomed with great fanfare, uh, people cheering, flags waving, bands playing, and dignitaries Reporters waiting for him. And the missionary couple walked away with no one paying much attention to them. And Henry Morrison turned to his wife. He said, it seems so unfair. We spent 40 years of our life on the missions field. This man comes back from a hunting trip. And he gets this great reception. And there's no one here to even meet us. And his wife had the wisdom to say, why don't you go and speak to the Lord about this? And so he kind of disappeared and came back a few minutes later, and he looked much better. And she said to him, okay, what happened? He said, well, everybody here was welcoming the president home from his hunting trip. And there was no one to meet us, but the Lord said these words to me. You're not home yet.
there's a reception waiting for you when you finish this race. Somebody waiting for you to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's run with endurance the race set before us. Let's stand.